Welcome to the Football by Football Podcast. And welcome back to the FBF Podcast. I'm Matt Chatham, your host, and ready to roll here, all fired up to go on week one of the NFL football season. The thing we've been waiting for months and months to have happen. It's come now. It's here. We got one game under our belt. The Patriots and Steelers are in the rear view. The Patriots taking that game by a seven-point margin that was a bad beat for a lot of people with an ugly <laughs> touchdown there to make it a seven-point game. Uh, but uh, what the purpose of this show is today is something that we're going to do throughout this season. We're going to give you a show late in the week, right before the weekend games, that, that goes deep into sort of the inside matchups. We call it the NFL Inside Matchup Preview Show here on FBF, and it's something we're going to do each and every week that we don't think a lot of shows will do because as former players, we can give you a little, little, little tidbits about stuff that's going on inside the game, the game within the game that will ultimately decide some of these contests. So it's we're going to drill to the floor. We're going individual dudes versus individual dudes, two men enter, one man leave, that kind of thing. So that's the real theme of today's show. And we're going to go all the way around the NFL and try to give you one nugget from each game, 16 games to cover. We got the entire docket to do. So we're going to get right into this. Inside Matchup Preview. First game we're going to look at is the Indianapolis Colts versus the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, there's so much to talk about here. Tyrod Taylor starting, all those, all the sort of question marks of what that offense is going to be. Sammy Watkins has been banged up. It's playing. Uh, you know, uh, Robert Woods is back. Marquise Goodwin has been ruled down. Uh, who knows with Shady McCoy. All these guys are up and playing in the game. But at what level, who knows? So my eyes actually gravitate towards one guy that's sort of been under the radar with all the quarterback talk up there, with all the, you know, Sammy Watkins is going to light the NFL on fire and those kinds of things. Charles Clay, who's been a super productive tight end down in Miami, comes over in free agency to the Buffalo Bills. uh, And all of a sudden, I think he can be sort of that release valve. If Tyrod Taylor needs to get up to speed quickly, what he does in this game may be a huge thing. You're always looking for a blankie on the inside, a binky, excuse me, on the inside of the, uh, inside of the defensive looks there. And I think Charles Clay has a good chance of being sort of that transition guy, that bridge guy, as health sort of slowly returns on the outside with the offensive weapons that Tyrod Taylor will have. I think he's got to find a place to go with the ball. Indianapolis has very athletic linebackers, guys that go sideline to sideline very well. But I look at a guy like either Dequel Jackson or Darrell Freeman, the two inside linebackers in the 3-4, who will be charged with matching Charles Clay. We understand there's going to be a running element with Tyrod Taylor's threatening edges, escaping pockets, things like that. So on these play-action plays, these inside linebackers having to step up, read, run pass, and then not letting an athletic guy like Clay slip them. That'll be the challenge. Second game we're taking a peek at. Here's the Carolina Panthers and the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Battle of Cat Logos. Anyway, Cam Newton, uh, you know, it's easy to talk about quarterbacks. I'm going to go out of my way here throughout this thing and not – spend too much time on them because it's rare where there's a situation where there's a specific player on the defense that's playing against a quarterback. It's really more full unit versus that dude and him trying to, you know, get his reads confused and those kinds of things. 
In this particular situation, though, it's a unique deal that went down in Miami, uh, letting Jared Oldrick go, and they having all the, the the money they needed to clear to bring in Ndamukong Sue. And Jared Oldrick was a guy that was a was a pretty high draft pick coming out of college, was a very good sort of underrated player for the Dolphins, but he played in the three four throughout his time as a Dolphin, and now moving out of Jacksonville, he gets to play defensive end. Why that's unique? Uh, defensive end in a four three, excuse me. So he's got his hand on the ground, he's the end man on the line. Why that's unique to me is Jarek Odrick is a big defensive end. He's really more of a traditional 3-4 DN because he's 6'5", 300 pounds. So that's that's almost defensive tackle uh, in a lot of schemes. But he's going to be a big end playing against one of the most athletic uh, quarterbacks in the football, in, in NFL football, in Cam Newton. So keeping an eye on just pocket integrity, which, again, is always an issue anytime we're talking about Cam Newton, kind of always gravitate towards that. But when the guy on the edge is, it's not that Odrick's not athletic, he's athletic, but he's huge. He's a big dude. So if he gets into power rush mode, which is one of his real good things, using that long arm and walking his guy back and releasing and trying to get the pocket crumpled, uh, he's going to have to keep his feet moving and he's going to have to keep some space and leverage because if Cam Newton pulls it down to runs, that's where your athleticism gap is probably most evident. So take a peek at those edges. Keep an eye on Jared Odrick and he'll be working over that offensive tackle, but would leave himself the space to be able to run down Cam if Cam pulls it. And considering Cam's got a beat up wide receiver core, no Kellen Benjamin, some other question marks about where that ball is going to go. Him pulling it down, don't be surprised when that happens. Third game we're taking a look at here, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston Texans. I'm looking at Whitney Merciless, uh, and Whitney Merciless is an outside linebacker in that Texan scheme. Number 59, he plays on the right side as an outside linebacker. There's some concern with Kansas City that, you know, they're flopping their tackles. You may have heard a little bit about this. Eric Fisher, high, highly drafted pick guy that came in, played some right tackle a year ago. They, we thought they were flipping him to left has had some struggles, but, you know, also uh, he had a high ankle sprain. So it's hard to determine, you know, which is really the cause there. Is it the left tackle position or is it the guy having low body problems? And in the, in the midst of him coming back from this thing and while he was down, Donald Stevenson comes in and he had a great, he had some great reps, did some great time at left tackle. So the call by Andy Reid is to go ahead and keep Stevenson at left tackle and let Fisher go back to his right tackle side. Now, against this Houston Texan offense or defense, who knows who's going to end up on the edge? You have to assume in some of the nickel fronts, you may even get a J.J. Watt on the edge. We know Jadavian Clowney is going to play some, uh, but intimations there for Ronnie Cornell and uh, Billy O'Brien is they might be more of a part-time player. So that is what takes me back to Merciless. He's a guy who just got a big deal, four years and 20-some million, something like that. He's a guy who gets paid. He's not the name we always talk about when we talk about with the Texans, but he's a guy that has pretty good counter moves, does a great job with his hands, and kind of speed-to-power kind of guy, a guy that push-pulls and can give guys problems. So Stevenson, I think, would have his hands full there with this particular matchup, even though it's not Jadavian Clowney, even though it's not J.J. Watt, the other guys you're going to talk about. If uh, Merciless is out there and putting pressure on him play after play after play, you take the ability away to sort of chip a guy because maybe the attention's going to Watt. Maybe they're chipping on the inside. Maybe they're sending someone to Clowney. God knows where they're going to line up any of these guys. But look for the sort of under-the-radar guy to potentially be Merciless and uh, for him to have a big day. Fourth game, we got Seahawks and Rams. Jermaine Curse is one of those guys. He's the guy that had the crazy circus catch at the end of the Super Bowl that looked like it was going to end the thing until the other thing, until the other goal line interception happened. But Curse is a guy who I kind of like uh, just in his competitiveness. He's not going to go light up any fantasy football stuff. 
but he's competitive. He's a big enough guy. He looks like there's some serious ability there. He's just not in an offense where he's going to be featured play and play at. So in a situation where I think things are going to gravitate towards Jimmy Graham in the running game, look for that next guy down. You know, Doug Baldwin it runs as their first. Kermaine, Jer, excuse me, Jermaine Curse in that third wide receiver role, potentially drawing maybe LaMarcus Joyner, maybe Marcus Roberson. We don't know who, who the Rams will put on them, but usually it's going to be that third corner. And the third corner, it's a test of depth. So if, if you're shifting people to account for a bunch of other things, you might be leaving a more vulnerable vulnerable player on a guy like Curse, who's actually pretty good. Word out of camp is Curse has had an excellent training camp. So in situations like that, uh, he's really been rising to the moment where people are just looking for Jag production, and they may get much more. Next game, Saints and Cards. Uh, we all know the ugly story with uh, Junior Gallette, some trouble off the field. Gallette was a really well-paid guy who was not, not there, and they got to come up with some pass rush pressure. He was very good off the edge and a, and a guy who was productive. But what the uh, Saints did that I think helped let that transaction happen a lot easier is they went to the University of Washington second-round pick. I'm not even going to try to say his name, but it's Kikaha is the last name, and I've been working on that all preseason. But worked his game with the Patriots, played the Saints, got to watch him go one-on-one with Nate Solder quite a bit, had a really nice day. He's a lower-leverage guy. This is not a 6'5 defensive end. This is more of a just north of, of, of linebacker kind of D end, more of a 250-260 kind of guy in a 6'1 or 6'2 body. Uh, Kikaha has a really good job of actually playing speed to power, even though he's a little bit light because he plays with great leverage. He plays low, gets under bigger tackles. And this is one of those weeks where he's got the biggest tackle there is in Jared Valdir. He's the big 6'8 dude that came over from the Raiders in free agency. He was meant to sort of hold down this left side for the Cardinals. He's an absolute mauler. He's not a dancing bear. He's a he's really more of what people usually think of as, as right tackles, but, you know, the old sort of mauler guy. Uh, and the more athletic dudes usually left, but Valdir had a little bit of trouble. Actually, I'd even maybe call it a lot of trouble against the Raiders uh, in the preseason against Khalil Mack. And Khalil Mack is next level. So, again, not trying to expect that Kakaha is going to come in and beat Khalil Mack right off the bat. But they do have some similar, similar attributes. Pretty explosive off the line and not huge guys, more length, athleticism punch uh, low leverage guys as opposed to just straight power so that kind of guy gave old deer a lot of trouble maybe Kakaha has the same kind of luck but it'll be a good place to keep your eyeballs point your uh, your binoculars because I think that's going to be a really important part of the game Carson Palmer getting them off the spot and Kakaha being the, the guy that has the best chance next we go Bengals Raiders Bengals Raiders Bengals Raiders uh, you got to worry about Geno Atkins and it's a name that two, three years ago, we're talking about one of the most disruptive interior defensive line forces in, in professional football. Atkins has a knee injury, comes back, had a full season last year, played well, uh, but it's not, it wasn't, you know, near Sue kind of talk. I think in, in these years, once you get full 12 months extended from an ACL and he's even past that now, we start to see the real player again. You start to see the old dude. So Geno Atkins, you know, he's a guy who plays their three technique, but we may see him at nose, which means he could be at between the guard center gap or he could be out in a, in a guard tackle gap. So to just straight up give him a guy we think he'd be against, that's a little unreasonable because we don't know where the tight end placement's going to be, but just keeping an eye on, you know, it's opening weekend of the NFL season. Who's Geno Atkins now? Is he the old Geno? And if he is, holy cow, you've got a problem in your backfield, and he's got to be a guy that gets attention. So I'm going to keep an eye on Geno Atkins and just 
throwing it against the wall, guessing that left guard Gabe Jackson will be a guy that sees a ton of them. So if you want to throw a throw a spotlight down in the two of those, that's a that's a matchup that I think will be critically important. Cincinnati's defense gets back Michael Johnson from the uh, the transaction where they lose the dude for a while down to a, a monstrous overpay or at least you know poor pay because Tampa didn't stick with the dude but Michael Johnson comes back so you have a big guy on the edge that can take off some more attention that's super tall super long might be attracting chip blocks might be attracting edge attention and when you're given edge attention that thins the middle or at least provides some one-on-one situation if you got that and Geno Atkins is at full strength could be trouble next game Giants Cowboys Big NFC East tilt on the opening weekend. Always love that. You get a nice divisional game to start things off. Down in Big D, huge matchup. You could talk stars all day long. We can go to Beckham. You can go uh, Des Bryant. We can get a Tony Romo talk and Eli Manning and all this stuff. And I think this game is one of those games where some of the productivity is going to have to come from the cracks. You don't have Victor Cruz for the Giants. He's most likely down with a calf injury. You do add Shane Vereen, so a guy that might be removed from the formation some that might require some extra attention. And I'm half banking that in that environment, if the Giants are going to have any luck moving the ball, and they didn't have a ton in the preseason, they're going to need to get Larry Donald going. Larry Donald was the great sort of uh, story, fantasy, uh, fantasy wonder story of a year ago. This tight end that comes kind of out of nowhere was more of a developmental player that all of a sudden started putting up touchdowns and catches week after week after week. Uh, Tom Coughlin's been riding the guy, trying to get him to sort of be a more uh, astute player, a guy who's a little more attention to detail, a guy that earns every rep from the blockings to the to the uh, techniques that he uses and running routes and just sort of attention to detail. That's always the deal with Coughlin. But as it seems that he's gaining confidence, he's a guy that they need to play well, especially in the absence of Victor Cruz, inside guy working sort of jerk routes, doing all that nonsense that attracts attention, put Larry in a singled up situation. And Larry's a tall dude, and he's going to have to draw a lot of inside play from these uh, Dallas Cowboys linebackers. But my balls are going to be on whichever one of these linebackers ends up over Larry Donald. And after they lull you to sleep with maybe some shots to Beckham, maybe some run game stuff, how does Donald get himself involved, especially down deep in that red zone? He's going to be a big key for them, in my view. Keep your eyeballs there. Both the Jets and Browns have a lot of questions about what they're going to be on offense. And in this particular game, my eyes are gravitating towards the Jets offense to find out what this is going to be. Traymon Williams, that's where my balls are going to go. I don't think the Browns are in a situation at cornerback with uh, with Joe Hayden at one side and Traymon at the other, most likely free agent coming over from, from Green Bay. That's They're necessarily going to track maybe Brandon Marshall or Eric Decker. I think those guys are similar enough in their dangerousness, we'll say that I don't think you have to send Hayden chasing both. So keep an eye on the second cornerback situation with Williams and how he matches up specifically against Eric Decker. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick loves to throw that sort of tempo outside uh, fade where he just basically takes the ball from the gun. It's like a, a just a quick step back, foot hits, the back foot hits, comes out on on sort of a quick fade, like it'll, you know, it'll hit it maybe 12 to 15 yards. It's coming right out of his hand, but he loves to throw it up on the outside. It's just, there's no read to it. You just drop back. If you had the matchup you like, goes for it. And with Eric Decker as a tall receiver, as Brandon Marshall as a tall receiver, that's one we might see. So keep an eye on that. And in the event that those aren't completed, those are also balls I've seen stolen before in the past. So, Keep an eye on that matchup on the outside, Williams and Decca. Next game, Packers-Bears. My balls are on Jared Allen. 
Outside linebacker, weird to say that. For the Bears, we know how productive Allen's been over his career as a defensive end. He's made the move to stand up outside linebacker. There are some challenges with that. Anyone who's ever done that job knows it's two entirely different tasks to have your hand on the ground and go forward every play or to stand up and have an and or opportunity. Backers themselves know Aaron Campman was a guy who years ago did that. Super productive defensive end for them. Stood up and couldn't make the transition. Felt really uncomfortable at outside linebacker. Really wasn't his thing. And that's understandable. Jared Allen now has that task before him. So really my eyeballs are on Jared Allen versus the job. Not necessarily a specific guy. I think there are ways to find out how he's going to handle that position. And that's moving Randall Cobb around. Randall Cobb is maybe the leading wide receiver option for the Packers this year in the absence of of, uh, of Jordy Nelson, but you know, he's a guy that's also a little bit like a Corderell Patterson in Minnesota. He doesn't necessarily have to stay out at a traditional wide receiver position. He can line in the backfield. He can motion all over the place, but what some of those little short motions do is they make three, four outside linebackers walk out, cover them up, potentially guard them in short zones, or at least work on them enough to where they extend them from the formation where you have a much more difficult read. Those are challenges for outside linebackers that have played there for a long time, especially over an athletic guy like Cobb. For a guy like Jared Allen, who's just sort of getting into this, and he's got more of that traditional DN body, can he pull it off? It'll be fun to watch, but watching Jared sort of grow into that job and seeing how he handles it and seeing how the Packers try to take advantage of him, that'll be something to keep an eyeball on. Let's pause here for just a second, guys, and uh, talk a little bit about FanDuel. They're paying out over $75 million a week. FanDuel is $75 million bucks a week this football season. And why we like it is because FanDuel, it's easy to build your team. You just pick your players, you stay under the salary cap, and you sit back on Sunday and watch your team win. This is not a year-long commitment deal. Entry fees start at just a buck. That's a dollar, and anyone can play. Well, I want to make sure the guys, we get a little interaction back and forth throughout the season. So listeners out there, you built your FanDuel team. You got a little game going on for the week. Let me know who's on your squad on Twitter at Chatham58. Hit me up at Chatham58. Let's get some back and forth going on this. I want you all to go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Use our code FBF and sign up now. We have a special offer out there for you guys for all the new users. For every dollar you deposit, FanDuel is going to match it with up to 200 bucks that gets earned as you play. Now, that's a bonus of $200. And that offer is only good for the first 50 people that use my FBF code. So use my FBF code. Don't forget to use my FBF code. FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Sign up today. Next game, Dolphins, Redskins. In this game, I'll be watching the matchup of Earl Mitchell, defensive tackle for those Dolphins, and the interior offensive line of the Redskins. Same situation here. We can't specifically pick out a guy because he's playing either a nose tackle position where he's going to be moving in and out of the guard center gap or potentially over to a three. Just mem- it just matters how they move in Dominican Sue. But this is the payoff position. Earl Mitchell is a solid player, a good player that came over from Houston in free agency. He's played a lot of snaps. He's a guy who can actually be really disruptive himself. He's not a huge nose tackle. He's not a huge interior 4-3 D lineman. He's a guy that plays more in that 290-ish range, and he's 6-2-ish. You know, he's not this is not 6'6", 330. This is not one of those body types, but he's a guy who can get in there and cause havoc, which is so important. So Sue is going to have to draw those doubles. He's going to have to play at a high level. In the event that he draws them, Earl Mitchell's your guy. He's the other guy. Can Earl make plays in a single situation? Can Earl make plays as the Redskins draw all that attention 
to Indomitian Sioux, which reasonably you would expect that they would. If they get into a situation late in this year where it looks like Earl Mitchell's making plays too and you just simply can't double Sioux all the time, well, now your investment has paid off. So that's going to be the payoff play. That's going to be the one to really put a spotlight on for this day. Earl Mitchell could have an, an incredible impact, as important of an impact as even Sioux on this team because he's the guy that the attention draws to when Sioux gets all those extra bodies in the blocking scheme. Next game, Lions-Chargers. Whew. This one's going to be fun. I mean, the, the Lions offense is as explosive as any out there in the NFL, and they had a piece, almost seemingly not fair, to get a guy like Amir Abdullah. Got to watch this guy a lot in college, working for the Big Ten. He's as, as shifty a guy. He's as difficult to get, get down. His patience in the hole and ability to explode right out of a cut is as good as I think we've seen a guy coming out of college in quite some time. He had a great preseason. Uh, he looked – so he looked the part. He looked like, I think, some of the teams that passed on him and let him fall back to where he did. Maybe think, ooh, maybe we should value that running back position a little higher. I could be wrong, but we'll see how this thing plays out. I'm going to have my eye on Amir Abdullah. We've been told, we've, we've heard throughout this first practice week that the Lions intend to use him really all over. And usually when you hear that thing, when you hear those kind of comments from an offensive coordinator, that means he may be aligning out of the backfield. That may mean he's in a part of two back sets, one back sets. You just don't know. And because Joyke Bell's there, he's not going to be a solo back. I mean, he, it, it's still probably a rotational situation. But the, the test, if you've got Amir Abdullah, on your team, if you're a defensive player, especially a linebacker, is trying to tempo the back. And what tempo the back means is you have to sort of keep keep your eye and keep your leverage on the guy as he takes his cuts. As he starts to stretch a play in one direction, you're going to feel that pressure to get out there and get him. Manti Teo is a good guy to look at today. He's our other guy we'll focus on. Manti Teo versus Amir Abdullah. Can Teo feel that pressure to get out there and flow quickly to try to get out in front of Amir. And Amir does such a great job of letting those linebackers overset themselves, flow too hard, stick a pole in the ground and cut back. And he's so slick on those cutback, uh, on those cutback runs. So this is going to be an interesting to watch. Just kind of, you can almost in your mind's eye, wipe out that offense and defensive line, all the stuff that's going on in front of these people. That's the wash between the, the running back and the middle linebacker. Keep an eyeball on how those two sort of uh, track one another. Will Teo feel pressured to get over the top quickly to try to get out to the super quick back, or will he tempo, 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 play slow, and then have to fight off blocks? It's a challenge. It's a tough one, and I think Amir Abdullah is going to blow up this league. So uh, we're going to get to see it for the first time this, this, this weekend, and it's going to be a fun one. Keep an eyeball on those two. Next game, Ravens-Broncos. Uh, offensive line play, not usually the first place we go for a, for a test. And, you know, if you're going to list down on the piece of paper all the most dominant players in the NFL, it's you know the names we go to, the guys in the commercials, the guy that the NFL puts on NFL Network, J.J. Watts and, you know, Des Bryant and you know, Calvin Johnson. Let's just keep going here. We can, you know, we can go all day with the names, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and all the all the big name stars. One of the most dominant players in the NFL at the position he plays, you know, all you can do is control the one you do. It's actually Marshall Yanda, offensive lineman for the Ravens. He plays guard. He's he he really dominates his block. He dominates all the things that he can control as much as any player in the league. He's a real fun dude to watch. Now, I know you're watching this Ravens-Broncos game. Maybe you're watching Peyton Manning. You're watching the wide receivers. You'll see how Demarius Thomas does under the new contract. I'm urging you to send your eyeballs on the inside of the line. Take a peek at Ravens guard Marshall Yanda 
as he takes on sort of the interior line of defense of the, the Denver Broncos. We know the Broncos have brought in a new high draft pick on the edge. We know that they're good already with their two edge rushers. Uh, so they've got a lot of talent in the secondary. They've got a lot of paid talent in the on the back end. But the challenge is going to be, I think, on the interior offensive line. The Ravens are going to pound it down their throat behind their best blocker. That's Marshall Yanda, potentially against Sylvester Williams, nose tackle there for the Broncos. But climbing, as guards do, up to the second level, the linebacker level. That means you get Marshall Yanda, this just big mauling dude who holds his ground, who really latches on as good as any guy out there, against a smaller linebacker like Danny Trevathan. Uh, he's just a six-foot guy, plays in the 230s. He's a real good flow guy, he's real good uh, it sort of being a thumper, but this is a bit of a bulldog versus a tank kind of matchup. And if uh, Yanda can get through the wash, get some movement on the nose tackle and climb to Trevathan, you should see a lot of holes running that way. It's a good place to send those eyeballs. Next game, Titans-Bucks. Kind of a fun one here. You know, the NFL people are screwing with us a little bit with the schedule where you get uh, – the two biggest quarterbacks uh, stories coming out of the college draft. You get Mariota and you get Winston on opening day, air quotes playing against each other. We know that's not actually happening. They'll never be on the field together. But one of the areas I really want to check out, and this is full disclosure, fan duel people out there picking these guys, trying to go down the roster and look for value picks. I really like Kendall Wright. I know he, he did not have the greatest year last year, but it's been chaos in Tennessee. It's really tough to to judge much of anything. They've been a little bit talent bereft on the offensive side of the ball. Now they get their quarterback. People want to talk about Delaney Walker. That's totally reasonable. There's a good chance that, that uh, Mariota relies heavily upon him. But in the interim, I think Kendall Wright has a comeback year, much more like his production in 2013. So Kendall Wright's going to be a guy that I think will move all over the formation. You'll find him in different places. He had a great camp. It looks like there's a relationship there between him, him and, and Mariota, but I don't think he's the kind of guy that the Bucks are simply going to try to take away. And that's important. If you, if you have a guy who's so far out in front of the rest of the talent and the offensive uh, personnel grouping, you, you guarantee yourself a double. And it becomes a little less fun from a, from a, from a watching standpoint, because you don't, you know, just see the guy get double play after play after play. Kendall's, just enough under the radar, but probably out in front enough of the group that he may see solo sometimes. And it'll be fun to take a peek at Kendall Wright versus Ultron Vernon, uh, Verner, excuse me. And Verner, as you may remember, is actually a former Tennessee Titan who would have been a teammate of Wright's a couple of years ago. But Verner came over that big deal uh, when Tampa went on the spending spree. Burner plays corners, not a huge guy, he's a 5'10 guy, but uh, it'll be a nice little matchup against guys that used to be former teammates and watching Kendall Wright try to take that next step forward and maybe be the number one option for these Titans. Mario's got to find a guy. We'll see if it's Kendall. Now we move to Monday night. Dun, 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 dun. First game, we got two games on Monday night. A couple of really good ones, actually. Atlanta, Philly, uh, to start things off. A lot of places the eyeballs can go there as well, but uh, I'm looking a little bit at the running back position. I'm interested to see how Tevin Coleman from Indiana, nice highest draft pick taken by the taken by the Falcons as the Falcons sort of try to get back on track, as it were. We always know about Julio Jones and Roddy White and you know the tight end situation there is a place that will get balls, but we always hear about the weapons. But the running game there has not been sort of a – uh, a spotlight position on that team for a few years. I think you start to get that backfield production, all of a sudden Matt Ryan whew, back on top again. You know, a guy that that is a top 10 quarterback or so. So I'm going to have my eyes on Tevin Coleman. He's a guy that I watched a lot in the Big Ten. He's a guy who's really good at a stretch run, put his foot in the ground and cut. 
and then I think he's, he's really uh, underestimated. You see a lot of, uh, of low linebackers, a lot of safeties that come down and meet him in those holes uh, that underestimate this guy's speed. Much more game speed than testing speed. A guy that will look like he's kind of lulling you to sleep as he as he stretch stretches plays out. And then even in the cutback, it's not the quickest movement, but he builds on guys. So I'm going to be keeping an eye on Tevin Coleman and Kiko Alonso at the middle linebacker position. This is a little bit like what we talked about with Manti Teo and Amir Abdullah, but Kiko usually we'll see at the will position. Uh, Kiko may catch some of those open side runs, some of those cutback things if Tevin's in there getting those carries. I'm going to keep an eye on Kiko, who he's a lighter linebacker. He's very athletic. He's a, a guy that plays with great range, kind of maybe similar to, to, to Sean Lee down in Dallas. Both guys have had injury histories, obviously, but Kiko's deal is he can beat you to a tackle. He can beat you to the spot. Uh, had a lot of that athleticism, a lot of that range at Oregon. Showed it when he was in and showed him when he was in Buffalo. Had the trade. Now, now he sits down in Philly. So keeping an eye on how Tevin Coleman sort of lulls Kiko to sleep or pulls him into overrunning a play uh, and seeing if he can break tackles. That's it's going to be fun to watch. So I'm going to keep my eye on sort of that middle linebacker running back matchup between Kevin or Tevin Coleman and Kiko Alonso. And I recommend you do so as well. Final game of the week, Vikings Niners. Kyle Rudolph at the tight end position is not the first thing you think of when you think of the Vikings. You think of Teddy Bridgewater and you think of Adrian Peterson and you think of maybe new Mike Wallace and all these other things. But I think there's going to be some runoff. I think there's going to be some attention taken to all those places we first said. And Kyle Rudolph's going to get some balls. Kyle Rudolph can have a Jason Witten kind of personality on this team, a place that that Teddy can go with the ball when other things aren't going so well, or at least when the traffic is taken elsewhere. Defense attention, other place, find that tight end that does a good job of working in the middle of the field. Kyle Rudolph almost fell off the map last year. wasn't nearly as productive as we've seen him in the past, and I think that's in part because they didn't have the running game. Running game comes back, all of a sudden it's Kyle Rudolph. And you know what? He's going to be marked a lot by Navarro Bowman, one of the better cover linebackers from the inside of a defense in all of the NFL. So Navarro Bowman trying to play against Adrian Peterson and get down and get that violent in the hole kind of back that Peterson is, how much attention will be drawn of his to trying to be a run first guy and to overstep a read or once or twice and let Kyle Rudolph catch some balls either in the seam or in some jerk stuff on the inside option routes, all those kinds of things. So watching that matchup between Navarro Bowman getting his run pass reads correctly and latching on or not to Kyle Rudolph is what I'm going to be keeping my eye. I think you should too. Thanks so much for listening to the Football by Football podcast, guys. That's all we got for today. Take some of this information from today's show and watch the game a different way. As always, the FBF podcast can be found for streaming or download on footballbyfootball.com or blogtalkradio.com. You can download the FBF podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the TuneIn Radio app. For daily insightful stuff from all of our writers, make sure you get over there to footballbyfootball.com. I'll be writing. The guys will be writing. We'll have new stuff for you every day all throughout this NFL season. Check out footballbyfootball.com on Facebook and give us a follow on Twitter at FB by FB. See ya next time. Thanks for listening to the Football by Football podcast. Football insight by football players. Hi, Lucky. Hi, Dusty. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned.